ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to American Arsenology. Brought to you by Clarence Thomas's best friend. Supporting insurrection since 2020. I'm your host, what the hell is going on here? And now, tonight's top stories. Welcome back, Migunas and Migunarets. Arsenal have been defeated 2-1 at the Emirates. It was a lifeless, spineless, low-energy performance from little Jeb Bush's Arsenal Football Club. There was all sorts of intriguing twists, turns and storylines, so let's get right into it. The opening storyboard of this one featured Spanish Michael squaring off with Graham Potter of Potterington. It was a cagey affair with the insolent nature of Mikel Arteta's arsenal coming home to roost. Let's dive a little deeper. The rundown on the starting 11 featured Ramsdale, Ramsdale in goal. With Cedric Saurez retaining his spot for the ghost, ghost, ghostly Takahiro Tomiyasu on the right. There's a continued pairing of Benjamin Blanco and Gabriel Big Papa Magalish at centre-back. And folks, the surprise call of the day, it was Granit Xhaka, the ultimate non-negotiable for Mikel Arteta, slotting in ahead of Nuno Tavares at left-back. In the midfield, it was Albert Sambilaconga, Martin Udegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe, and on the flanks, Bukayo Little Chili Saka and Gabriel the Electric Eel Martinelli. Up top, it was the ever-present Pink Panther, French Frenchman, French's French fucking bread, Alexander Lacazette. <laughs> It was all ho-hum, 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 ho-hum football from Arsenal. As from the opening whistle, the body language from Mikel Arteta on down was disturbing. Something was amiss. There was no energy, no passion, no sense of life, determination, Oh, hunger from Arsenal. And in the first 24 minutes, there would be nothing much to speak of for the gun. But in the 26th minute, a bit of a Nicolas Jover specialty. It's a nice little free kick routine found a creeping, sneaky, ever so sneaky, Big Papa Magalish on the back post. Bukayo Little Chili Saka floated in a brilliant little ball with delightful curvature. And folks, I think Gabriel Magalish should have done better with the header. I hate cursive and I hate all of you! I'm never coming back to school, never! And folks, 
In the 28th minute, Arsenal would come undone. As Mikel Arteta's tactical setup on the day, well, folks, it all fell apart and was left wanting. Yes, Granit Xhaka and his Arsenal teammates were at sixes and sevens as one long ball from a Brighton centre-back found a sprinting, streaming Brighton player in the right-hand channel. The Brighton player was in acres of free, free space and would look up and cross to the penalty spot. And the cross would be met by a free, free, fucking free, wide-open Trossard. The Belgian literally had a radius of 10 yards around him with no mark. It was poor, poor, poor from Arsenal. And poor from Arteta. With so much time, space, and ability to guide the ball home, Trossard made no doubts about the finish. And it was 1-0 Brighton, and it was deserved. But a response from Arsenal in the 37th minute, as a poor, poor pass from Granit Xhaka was nearly intercepted, but a lucky rebound found its way to Emil Smith-Rowe. The Smith would drive, drive, drive towards the Brighton goal and unleash a left-footed effort that was blocked by the ugly and disgusting Lewis Dunk. It was a good block that potentially saved a game-tying goal. Shuck on it, Trebek. <laughs> shuck it long and shuck it hard. In the 43rd minute, there was another chance for Brighton as Arsenal's poor defending and lack of inspiration on the day was truly, truly on display. A loose ball found its way to Wepu, who was very good on the day. But on this occasion, Wepu snatched at his chance, much to the relief of the Arsenal faithful. But folks, in the 46th minute, well into stoppage time in the first half of football, the biggest flashpoint of the encounter... As a Bukayo little chili stir-fry corner kick would find its way to the big, bald Papa Gabriel Magalish. The Brazilian would return his header across the face of goal. And who would react first? Who would reach that second ball with the utmost urgency and intensity? Our electric heel, the wonder kid, Gabriel Martinelli. Martinelli nodded home, sending the home crowd into fits of delightful ecstasy. But, 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 folks, hold the phone. David Cooter, referee in charge on the day. You know the name, the Coot man, the Cooter, David Coot. Well, he and his VAR staff would have a looky-looky-loo. And after what felt like an fucking eternity, much, 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 much to our... 
Lack of surprise. The VAR officials found a way to rule the goal offside. It was another example of the referees sticking it to the gun and saying, fuck you, Arsenal. It was the most pivotal and momentous moment of this match. Look, folks, Arsenal were awful in the first 45, but had they drawn level at the stroke of halftime, well, I think things would have been much, much different. But the goal would not stand, and the agenda against Dial Square would continue. <laughs> right about now, NWA quarters in full effect. Judge Gray residing. In the case of NWA versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys are MC Rand, Ice Cube, and Easy Motherfucking E. First half came to its conclusion, and as always, there were two big takeaways. Number one, the nervous energy that was on display from Arsenal at the Emirates on Saturday was alarming. The psychological impact from the loss against Crystal Palace cut deeper than we may have first realized. As the body language exhibited from the manager on down was gravely concerning. There was no passion, there was no fight, no sense of urgency, and that often thrown around cup final mentality. Well, folks, it seemed to have gone out the window. So what caused this letdown? Who was responsible for such a lifeless, spineless performance? I ask you, could team selection, and specifically one omission, have caused a disruption in the force at Arsenal? More importantly, how do we reinvigorate this young squad given that there is still so much to play for in the final eight games? Number two. The decision to freeze out Nuno Tavares after his performance against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup was a peculiar one. Especially so given that Arteta had backed Nuno earlier in the season after an awful outing in a 4-0 loss at Liverpool. Tavares bounced positively in the next game, thanks to his manager's support. And he produced one of his best performances in an Arsenal shirt against Newcastle United. And by all accounts, it did appear as if we were witnessing an evolution of Mikel Arteta's man-management skills. An area that it must be said is where he is most deserving of criticism in his young managerial career. But hold, hold, 
hold on to the phone, folks. While we had been hopeful that the slow gears of coaching development were churning for Spanish Michael, the decision to yank Tavares at halftime against Palace... And then play Granit Xhaka at left back against Brighton. It has put a spotlight back both on Arteta's man management and his ethos of stubbornness. Sadly, a new fear and loathing is festering at a crucial juncture in our season. Concerns exist around Arteta, and if he will go full-on Trumpian again in his handling of interpersonal relationships. The curse of Jed Spence is well and truly upon us. Oh man, Trey, look up at the sky. It's a full moon on the Sabbath. This is scary. Break it down. I was working late on my half Torah when I heard a knock on my bedroom door. I opened it up and to my surprise, there was a werewolf standing there with glowing gold. The second half began and there was a bit more life in Arsenal as Granny Chaka was pushed back into the center of midfield with. Coincidentally, and ironically, and hilariously, Gabriel Martinelli filling in at left back. What must you be thinking if you are Nuno Tavares? Martinelli playing ahead of you at left back. Come on, man, that's fucking funny. In the 63rd minute, a big chance for Bukayo Saka right on top of the 18-yard box. And so he unleashed a strange shot, confused whether to strike with his laces and put power behind the ball or go for placement. Instead, he rocketed a shot well over the bar, and it was a big... You blew it! But Brighton always appeared dangerous in this one. And in the 66th minute, Mark... Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya Cucarella. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. Well, folks, he was at the heart of some nice triangulation in a passing combination for Brighton and Hove Albion. Albert Sambilakonga and Bukayo Saka did not cover themselves in glory defending on the play. But the finish, the finish was deserving of a tip of the cap from Webb Who. As a nice little ball from the young Ecuadorian midfielder found Wepu on top of the box and his first time half volley low and hard to Aaron Ramsdale's right hand corner was a fantastic finish. <laughs> Moving ahead to the 83rd minute there was decent play from Arsenal and it was little chilly Bukayo Saka at the heart of it again. Little Chili drove into the heart of the Brighton and Hove Albion penalty area and attempted to cut a ball back from Nico Nico. Ooh, Nico Pepe. But the Ivorian did his best Lacazette impersonation and stumbled and bumbled and nothing was doing. A few minutes later in the 86th, Albert Zambi Laconca. 
he would try his luck from distance. And folks, it was a well, well-intentioned hit. Just off the mark, 12 inches. Well done, Zambe. Martin Udegaard began to show a little life. As he smashed the free kick off Robert Dirty Sanchez's crossbar. It was a frustrating moment for Udegaard, but he would get his just reward a short while later. As folks! In the 89th minute, his deflected, long-range effort would loop, loop, loop over Dirty Robert Sanchez into the Brighton goal. It was 2-1 Brighton, with two minutes left in regulation time, and a slow glimmer, a small chance, a brief crack in the door at life, and something in this one. For Arsenal. The goal would breathe a breath of fresh air into Arsenal and give their legs life. There would be two more big chances created by the gun. As a nice cross from little Ricky Cedric, Rick Maurenis Saurez would find Mr. Line 1, Eddie Edward and Ketia. And Ketia lunged, jumped, and threw himself into a diving header. Quite a fine effort on goal that Robert Dirty Sanchez, that old bastard, well, he was up to it and he kept it out. But it was a fine effort from Mr. Enketia, one we have not seen from one Lacazette in what feels like eons. Something different, perhaps, against Southampton in regards to Enketia. And in addition to the Enketia header, there would be one, one last, one final, one gasp chance for Gabriel Magalish. As it was little chilly Bukayo Saka getting into a dangerous area again and flipping in a nice little ball to the head of Magalish. Our Brazilian Big Papa did well with the proper technique to head the ball firmly down into the turf. But who was there for the block? It was Mark. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. Cucarella. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. Would Sanchez have made the save irregardless? Yes, he probably would have, but it was another fine moment for Cucarella, a player that we rate highly. Second half came to its conclusion. And as always, there were three big whopper fucking takeaways. Number one. What does the future hold for Mr. Albert Sambi Lokonga? 
Well, many are quick to dismiss Nuno Tavares, postulating that his time at Arsenal could in fact be over before it well and truly began. Concerns are growing about Sambi Lokonga. Mikel Arteta, he has not prioritized enabling his success. Time and time again, he has made strange decisions that have failed to serve in the best interests of our young Belgian. Playing Sambi as the lone pivot in such a crucial game against Brighton, it was perplexing given he had not started since the game against Burnley in January. And with so much talk, and rightfully so, about the need for a new midfielder or two to partner my octopus teacher Thomas Party, I am starting to worry that we are neglecting a potential superstar of the future. Number number two. It is time for Arsenal to play three at the back and go 3-5-2. For those expecting the return of Nuno Tavares this season, do not hold your breath. For no fault of his own, the young Portuguese cannot be trusted. He appears to be dead and buried this campaign. If Mikel Arteta had any semblance of confidence in the young Portuguese defender, that confidence was extinguished against Crystal Palace after Spanish Michael pulled the plug on Nuno at halftime. And the final nail in the coffin was Granit Xhaka's selection at left back against Brighton. Nunu is a no-no at this point. And it is time to give a back three of Gabriel Magalish. Robert Robbie, Robert Bobby Holdini holding. And Benjamin White. A run in this crucial stretch. And for all of you in Arsenal world <laughs> saying you don't change the system at this point in the season, just what in the hell do you think the system is when Rob Holding comes on to close out games mouthing the now famous 5-2-3? The lack of critical thinking is at times baffling. Switching to a three-centre-back system is not foreign territory for Mikel Arteta or the players under his charge. And this is the best solution moving forward until Takahiro Tomiyasu returns. And finally... The ethos of stubbornness is well and truly alive under Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. Our 40-year-old Spanish manager persists 
with Alexander Lacazette up top after naming the aging, bald, bearded Pink Panther our club captain this winter. Yes, folks, Mikel Arteta, he went all in on what Lacazette could potentially bring to this young Arsenal team. And it appears to be a massive miscalculation as the Frenchman stumbled towards the end of his contract. Many statisticians have begun quantifying Lacazette's drop-off in recent weeks. But these numbers are not necessary. Even a scarecrow with no brain would have recognized the likely outcome of Arteta's gamble dating back to the fall of 2021. But listen, folks, breathe. Breathe. While fans engage in petty arguments about Arsenal online, one thing remains constant. Here, at American Arsenology, we will always support the Arsenal. Win, lose, or draw. However, our support is not awash in blind faith. While we still trust Mikel Arteta to lead this young team to better days, no one at this club is above critique. Arsenal Football Club will never be an autocracy. I've seen a hand, I've seen a vision. It was reaching through the clouds To risk a dream A shadow crossed the sky And it crushed it to the ground Just like a beast The old man's back again 